1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome in on a Write That Down Wednesday to Mackie and Judd. That'll come up here in about, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. Pretty much whenever we want it to come up.
2: That's the great thing There's about the new Mackie and Judd world: space to explore. Yeah,
1: three hours, two hours, half hour, whenever we want. Five minutes? I don't know. We haven't <laughs> we haven't we haven't done that. In fact, lazy let's do write that down but... right now. <laughs> okay, right. here's a comment session. Uh, Judd got them all wrong. Boom. Okay, okay. here we go. Uh, so, thank you for listening and downloading Mackie and Judd the podcast. A couple things before we dive into uh, something uh, based on a phone call I had with my dad last night. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple or wherever you listen to the podcast, it helps us spread the word about our show. It helps us spread the word about our advertisers. And so a lot of people have asked us in the last couple of weeks, hey, with all the changes at Score North, what's the best thing I can do to help you? And sticking with us is the number one thing. Wherever you listen, we appreciate you. Even if you're listening to the Score North Now Hour on AM 1500 in the Twin Cities from 5 to 6 o'clock. We appreciate that. But the best things you can do beyond just consuming our product and listening are giving us a five-star review on Apple or wherever you listen Uh, and also subscribing to and listening to our Vikings-centric podcast, Purple Daily, where we're pumping out additional Vikings-only content in podcast form and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash scorenorth where we've already had like 500-plus new subscribers in the last week or so. We appreciate you all. Thank you so much, and we are interacting in the comment section. So if you want to rip us, if you want to tell us we're idiots, that's a great place to do so. Uh, So we appreciate wherever you're consuming us. Thank you very much. So, gentlemen, last night I was flipping around, and you guys flip around and just see every night there's like seven old sporting events on from like here's an old Timberwolves game to – you know, they might be running, you know, any number of old hockey games on NHL Network or whatever. MLB right? gets some stuff. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I love it. So, last night, I noticed uh, we had, game, was it game one or game two of the 87 World Series? The Twins, and or, I'm sorry, the ALCS. It was an ALCS game in 87 between the Tigers and the Twins. Oh, really? I did not see that. Hmm. Uh, Gaetti with a home run or two in that game. I didn't stick with that one. I'd like to go back. I have not really watched any of those ALCS games from 1987 that people talk about. But I stumbled on MLB Network and saw game five of the 1956 World Series, otherwise known as Don Larson's perfect game That's for right. the Yankees against the Brooklyn Dodgers. Because, because Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, was Yogi Berra's birthday, correct?
2: So I think they showed yeah,
1: he was part of the. the Yogi yeah. Berra um, r- related content all day. So yeah, Yogi was. It was like. It was probably from 10 or 15 years ago, and it was Bob Costa sitting down with Yogi Berra talking about the game. And, nice. And so. That game was from you know, 1956. My dad, who's 77 years old, was born in 1942. And so he grew up watching baseball in the 50s. And he grew up in Chicago. So he was an Ernie Banks fan, a Cubs fan, and then eventually moved to Minnesota, became a big Twins fan throughout his life. And so he's 77 years old, and he's hanging out down in Phoenix, Arizona, and you know probably about to go to bed at six or seven o'clock his time out there. And I I just felt compelled to pick up the phone because I knew that that was one of his favorite games of all time. Mm -hmm. He always, when I was a kid, used to talk about the Don Larson perfect game. And then one of his other favorite pitchers was the opposing pitcher for the Dodgers in that game. Thirty-nine-year-old Sal the Barber Magley. Oh yeah, the barber was great. They called him the Barber Declan because he'd give you a little close shave up oh, and in with that okay. fastball. Well, it sounds like a WWF superstar. Yeah, and he looked like one too. He had ordinary, kind of a looking
2: uh, dude. Sal Magley was. That, yeah. that dude
1: was born in in the nineteen teens and and came up through. I think he fought in World War II. Maybe even in the Korean War. And then his career really got started when he was like 34 because of all the wars in the 40s. So, right? guess what? Opposing players didn't scare the barber. Not, not the barber, no. You weren't going to bleep with the barber. So, you had Don Larson and Sal the barber Magley, and you had one camera angle. Yes. The black and white, old timey. I can't remember if it was Vin Scully on the call or if they had an alternate. Mel Allen of probably
2: called it for the Yankees. And, and I think back then they used to use the one home broadcast or one broadcaster from the AL team and one from the National League. So it might have been Red Barber and uh, Mel Allen, but uh, I've seen that camera angle. It's hilarious. It is so tough to watch. Because that's all you're on is that one
1: camera. They literally only show, they they have two camera angles for the game, basically. The one that it's 90% just as if you were to put a camera in the upper deck behind home plate, and you can just see the pitcher on the mound and the catcher and the batter. And then only when, like, a ball is hit to the outfield they maybe cut away for a brief second and then sometimes they'll also have like the batter in the batter's box with a split screen and some weird version of their photo not stats or anything but it would be like here's Yogi Berra in the batter's box split screen and then it's like it's like someone cut out a picture of Yogi Berra put it on a table and then put a camera on it as like a second shot that's what we
2: call graphics back then
1: so it was it was a, it was very basic level, but it's one of my dad's favorite games of all time, one of his favorite pitching matchups of all time. And so, my question for you guys to start the show here is: When you guys are seventy-seven years old, and now Judd, the ship has sailed for Judd having kids. You know, De- well, Declan and I, you know, you you're know. fifty. You're probably well, not going to have kids at this point. But
2: I'll be in an old folks' home, I would hope, and have kids come or kids that you know visit about. me
1: you might befriend yeah, other I people's kids. I can tell you right now, I I was not popular enough to have kids I don't know about. But You have a niece and a nephew or yeah, something? Yeah,
2: yeah, hopefully they'll support
1: me. So let's say, like, yeah, your long-lost nephew. Yeah. Who would you want when you're 77 years old and, you know, you're enjoying a nice Tuesday night and there's old-timey baseball games, mm. football games, basketball games. Now, when you're 77 years old, what games do you hope a random kid calls you to say, Hey, Judd! Judd, can you hear me?
2: It's 77. Judd! I'd, I'd probably say, who the hell is this?
1: And just hang up on him. What games would you want to hear about on the other end of that phone call? Oh, boy. So if I'm
2: 77 years old, which is what, 10 years from now? um, You know, probably the uh, the cop-out easy answer for me is probably game 791, just because it's such a great game, and I was there. Um. Behind that, it might be Game 7, because that was the Twins' first world championship. And let's see, in all seriousness, I'll be 77 in uh, 2027 20, years. And so, with the way things are going, that'll probably be still the only sports championship in this town. So, I can describe both of those. But 91, Game 7 is just special, because Morris was so great. And I think that there is a, a case to be made, and this can be debated. But I think there is a legitimate case to be made that that is the greatest Game 7 in in World Series history. Yeah. Because the fifth game that where he willed the ball off fair at Fenway is Game 6 in 75. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going through just flat out the greatest Game 7s of all time, that's up there, if not at the top. So if, if a youngster, and by that I mean a person who was around 40 or so was to call me in 27 years and ask me, or say, hey, this game's on, tell me about it, it would probably be that game.
1: Some people might say, in terms of great Game 7s, I agree, the Jack Morris game is number one. But some people might say, just based on what was happening in the country and the Yankees being in it, Game 7 of the 2001 World Series, where you had Mariano Rivera blowing a game, basically, for the f- like first time in his life. Yeah. And the the, the, the Diamondbacks winning it. So, I have a bunch written down here, and we've got like 50 responses already just on the Twitter question I put out. And so we'll go through those too. But the number one game that popped into my head, and don't ask me like why this is above game seven of 91. I think it's just because I've always had an affinity for the Timberwolves for some godforsaken reason. They break my heart or just like completely crumble for no reason every single year. But the peak moment in Timberwolves history was Kevin Garnett's Game 7 against the Sacramento Kings. TNT, Doug Collins was on the call. I think it was Kevin Harlan and uh, Doug Collins on the call. And KG just goes bonkers in that game and pushes the Timberwolves past the Kings into the Western Conference Finals. And I've only seen that game on TV like two or three times. They ran it like a month ago on either Fox Sports North or NBA TV. And I'm just instantly in every time I see old-school peak Timberwolves, like KG Marbury stuff, I'm in on those. Uh, and then the other one that came to mind, too, it's a non-Minnesota sports one, but I remember exactly where I was on this day. The Cubs were always my secondary favorite team. 1998, Kerry Wood strikes out 20 Astros hitters on WGN and throws the most ridiculous 12-6 to 6 breaking ball <laughs> A hundred times in that game. Like, that, no one has thrown a breaking ball like that in my lifetime. And there's a reason why his arm fell off like two years later. Do you know who, who did at one time? Blylevin. Yeah. Blylevin threw a 12-6 to 6 that was off the charts. And I just like the fact that Blylevin threw that for 20 years and, like, never had major issues. And Kerry Wood threw it for three years, basically. I think he had a Tommy John, then he came back, and then he, like, had another issue. But I remember I was I was coming home from 7th or 8th grade. I sat down. And the game was already because I was coming home after like after school activities. Those games always started at one twenty central time on WGN. Yep. And it was wrapping up around four o'clock or something. So I come home and it's just like it's like an April or May game. It was early in the season. You know, the Cubs were the Cubs were OK. They, I think they made a game one sixty three in nineteen ninety eight or something. And I just remember turning the game on and Chip Carey was the color or was the play by play guy. Steve Stone was the color commentator. Carry Woods on the mound. The crowd is going crazy. Ship Carry is, like, all hopped up, ready to call the pitch. And carry with those, a big breaking ball. And some Astros hitter swings and misses like he's never, That know. was strikeout 20? And I think I caught strikeout 19. Okay. And then he comes back and gets strikeout 20. But, like, when you first tune in, you're like, wait a second. Why is everyone going crazy? It's either a no-hitter. Right. Or something else is happening right now. And it turned out to be the strikeout record. So those are the two that really popped into my so head. It, so early two thousands, late nineties.
2: It's not. I don't believe it was uh, televised. At least I know it was not uh, shown on TV here. It might have been in California at the time. Didn't you go to the Eric Milton? I was eleven I was at 11, Milton, eleven a.m. No, no,
1: yeah. No-no against the Angels back in the Angels and air quotes. That was two. It was the Angels AAA team. What year was that? Nineteen ninety nine. Oh, okay. I think. So if I still you have the ticket done.
2: So if you could, if somebody called you and said that there was a copy found of that
1: game, where would, would that game rank for you? I mean, out of curiosity, I would for sure put it on because I've never seen the televised version of it before. And I know it, it was an 11 a.m. start time, so it started
2: m. at 9 a.m. in California, and I don't know that it was shown there. But it was it was epic just in the sense that this arbitrary they used to play before the Gophers, which, by the way, nobody is going to believe if you were to tell the kid, first of all, hey,
1: here's the thing about that game started at 11 a.m. because the Gophers played that night. Okay, here's a trivia challenge for you. All right. The Angels lineup on that day. I'll give you guys combined. It's awful. Declan's going to be screwed on this, anyways, because you. We've gone b- through this before. Can you? I'll give you guys three combined. I'll give you guys five combined strikes to name two hitters in that Angels lineup. So you get five incorrect answers. All right, I Tim Salmon. Tim Salmon was on the team. He wasn't playing that day. Okay. Uh, Troy Gloss. Troy Gloss is one of them. Yes. Over yes. three. <laughs> you get four more guesses. It's awful. Uh, it's awful. We've
2: been through oh, this whole thing before.
3: I don't think he was there. Go ahead.
1: I, I don't. Mo Vaughn never played for the Angels. Mm-hmm. Oh, he did. No, he, he, did. He, did. he did. He did. I think he was on the team. He just wasn't playing that
3: day. Oh, come on.
1: <laughs> that's, so, the, so, that's the funny. So part. So was
2: Salmon. Well, they didn't play anybody because it, it was it was probably an 11 a.m. start after a night game on Friday night,
1: the uh, day before. I don't even know. Darren Erstad. I've only I've only heard of like two other hitters in this lineup before. It was Jeff Devannon leading off. I wouldn't have Orlando Palmero, Todd Green, Troy Glaus, Steve Decker, Matt Luke, Brett Hampill, Trent Durrington, Who? and Andy Sheets was the shortstop. I remember yeah. Andy Sheets. Hold on a second. Sounds does like does the- that make you think less of Eric Milton's no hitter?
3: Well, hell yeah. You just gave
2: me <laughs> you just gave me like four names that I have no idea.
3: If you would have said, said, is that the St. Paul Saints opening day lineup or the Los Angeles (laughs) Angels opening day lineup, I think we would have said the Saints. Pretty close. Oh, my
1: God. Who started for uh, the Angels that day? Let's see here. Oh, former twin. Former twin. He became a twin later. Oh, okay. Ramon Ortiz. Oh, nice. That's right. Just got pounded. Four and a third, six earned runs, eight base runners, and four and a third. All right, the Twins lineup in that game was Jacques Jones, Denny. It was Dennis Hocking in the lineup card. Matt Lawton, Terry Steinbach, Todd Walker, Corey Koski, Tory Hunter, Doug McAvich, and Cletus Davidson. Cletus Davidson? i so like a Simpsons character. I like vaguely
2: the Twins had a player named Cletus name. Davidson. He drove in a run in that game. So that that was 1999. Tory that was at the time that he was going up and down, right? Yeah, he was mostly disaster. I think a he got disaster. sent down in uh, d- during the course of that season. Probably yeah, Kaski before that.
1: These guys, it was you know half the lineup. Wow, was Jock Jones, half the lineup was the lineup. Okay, that Okay, are you make more Twins are
2: you more or less likely of given the opportunity to watch it now? Having looked at
1: I the mean, boxcar? out of pure curiosity, I would hope that my kid, when I'm seventy seven years old, calls me and says, "Hey, they found the, the stadium view version hey. of this game." <laughs> hey, that, <laughs> that might be bill. that might be what they have to find
2: the state the Metrodome. Vision version of that
1: game, but Dome went, Vision. Eric, Eric Milton struck out 13 batters in that game over well, nine innings. So. And the umpires were Tim Welkie, Tim Cheetah, Terry Kraft, and Jim Joyce. Nice. Jim Joyce. So I did the... a. So I, I actually raced down to the
2: Dome during. <laughs> it must have been. I, I lived in Eden Prairie at the time, and it must have been around the sixth or seventh. I turned. I woke up and turned the game on the radio and heard that he had a. Uh, no no going so i raced down to the dome to help lavelle i think do a sidebar
3: Wow, and uh, i think lavelle in
2: 1999 and i think i Judd in 1999 and i think i talked to post game i talked to like a couple of twins players but i also think i got into the umpire's room and talked to who, who was behind the plate welky welky was
1: behind the plate i think i talked to him and, tim wow. cheetah is a is from minnesota yeah, he's, he's a St. Paul an Paul awesome dude yeah. he's been on the show a few times telling stories Attendance for that game was 11,222. I call BS. <laughs> they sold that many tickets. I can confirm two in attendance. My they father s- and myself. They sold
2: that many tickets, but I call <laughs> and, and the saddest thing is the hitting coach for the for the then uh, California Angels back at that time, Rodney Klein Carew. Wow. Can you imagine Rodney
1: resign Rodney? Can you yes. imagine Rodney having <laughs> to
2: look at that poor guy? One of the greatest hitters in baseball history. Having to look
3: at that lineup card. Oh,
1: man. Amazing. Declan, what's on your list? Your 77-year-old Declan in 50-plus years. (laughs)
3: So, obviously, you know, Minneapolis Miracle is, like, the cop-out. I feel like, obviously, we'll be talking about that for generations. But for me, and just in terms of, like, thinking about prominent sports moments that I watched with my dad that actually weren't Minnesota sports moments, you mentioned the 01 World Series. That was the first World Series I remember watching. We had a little, like, 9-inch Magnavox with a... 200 foot extension. Corey ran from the backyard into the fire pit from outside.
1: Young Young Kim wasn't even immune to his home runs no. coming through a nine inch Magnavox in that series. <laughs> he was
3: not. <laughs> Another one that comes to mind too was uh 2003 ALCS when Aaron, the Aaron Boone walk off. Wow, I remember watching that. And, and, and these are more just poignant moments with my dad. I remember swinging a wiffle ball bat in the basement and it was late. You know, um, I think it was, it wasn't a school night. I think that might've been a Saturday night, but I remember being able to stay up late And I remember, like, swinging a baseball bat. It's the bottom of the 12th or whatever. And I, like, looked at my dad and I just said, Dad, when do you think this game's going to end? And he goes, you know, I think it's going to end right here. And the pitch was thrown to Aaron Boone and it was a bomb. It was one of those, like, freaky moments where, like, you think your parents are, like, superheroes and, like, know everything. And I just remember being, like, well that was the freakiest sure thing I've ever tape, seen. You sure he didn't tape
1: the game and no, screw with you? I don't
3: think. Well, he that would be something he would do, but I, I knew all this was live.
2: Aaron Bleep and Boone. And
3: Man. then uh, the third one was when Barry Bonds hit the broke the home run record. And my dad was pretty sick by then, but he had these like medications that made him like his sleep schedule was wacky. He almost killed the mailman one time. It was a whole or a paperboy. It was a whole another story. It's a whole deal. But he couldn't sleep during the night, and uh, I think Bonds like, broke the record like at 12 or 1 o'clock because ESPN had it on. So it's late. My brother and I are up, and this was summertime, but my dad would usually send us to bed if we were up like past 1 or 2 a.m., like a normal parent. And he comes down, and my brother and I are like ready to, like, oh, crap, we're about to be told to like, go upstairs. And he just like looks at the TV, and he goes, did he do it? And my brother's like, oh, yeah, he broke the record. And he stands back up, and he just goes and cheater and then walks back upstairs <laughs> and that was him. it it was one of like the coolest moments like again one of those like freaky dad moments of like man that was like goosebumps I, he I would, tell us to go to bed good anything. for him on
1: my list of things that i would be curious to watch when i'm 77 years old and my kid calls me peak berry bonds steroids or not like peak berry bonds peak mark mcguire peak sammy sosa are all so compelling to watch and even though now you know it's all sort of like they were all taking flintstones vitamins that were not part of the list I I would love to go back and just watch, like, what's Sammy Sosa's peak game from 1999 or something? See, 1998. But the, the the problem, to Declan's uh, dad's point at the time, the
2: problem was, by the time that Bonds broke that, y- you were so done with Bonds, or yeah. I, I was. So, the summer of 98, it's still one of the greatest. And I've always contended baseball would never take that back, because it was so much fun, and it actually got a lot of fans who had become alienated by the strike in 94 back. So, that was a great summer. But Like, when you go back to it, by the time Bonds uh, broke Aaron's record, you were just like, I'm so sick of this guy. And it was actually sort of sad because it went from this, man, summer of 98 was great and McGuire was great and Sosa was great and Bonds was good to, oh, you got to be kidding me.
1: I'm going through just the Twitter mentions on this question too. You know, what? if you're 77, you're old, your son or your daughter calls you and says, hey, this game's on TV right now. you got to check it out from when you were in your prime. A lot of people saying Minneapolis Miracle. He steps into it.
4: Passes. Caught
0: takes, Side Sideline. Touchdown. Unbelievable.
1: Vikings win it! Craig tweets in and says, Knoblock, dollar, dog, and battery throwing oh, night. Yeah. Now quit this! This a, champ- a championship event. This is a championship. <laughs> <laughs> And now quit this. Tom Kelly walks out, the, puts that, his arm around. That Mabak. was
2: the greatest thing about that was TK going out to left and putting
1: his arm around Chuck, who by that point TK had to absolutely despise. Yeah. But he didn't want the game to be forfeited. The championship and... event. Let's see. Anders tweets in, the 2023 Aaron Rodgers-led Vikings Super Bowl win hmm. is what he would put on his. <laughs> mm. um, where he's going there. Uh, Brett Favre games as
2: a Viking would probably qualify from 2009.
1: I, I think the Greg Lewis game. Yeah. If somebody told a me, great listen, finish. I, I don't know if I'd want to watch the first half of that game, but if someone told me, hey, there's there's four minutes left and the Vikings have the ball. Yep. And they're trailing by four points and they need a touchdown to win or whatever. Brett Favre's got it in his hands. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. So tweet us at Jay Zolgad, at Phil Mackey, at Dex's tweets. Uh, you can also tweet at Score North here. So and we can circle back on this too, like maybe on tomorrow's show or or Friday as well. But before we get into write that down, Judge Zolgad wants to call an emergency Action Movie yeah. Rewind committee meeting Yes, there. yes, I do. I do,
2: and I want to call this between because I want three of us to pass a rule which will not go into effect for this week's showing of The Rock, okay, because that's set in stone. <laughs> We're already set with that. But I want to wow. put a rule in that goes into effect with Declan's pick for next week. And this is not a direct reflection of Declan. This is just well. a rule that I want put in here because – I feel like we have at times, and I'm guilty as well w- with my picking of, uh, of uh, Point Break, violating the spirit of what we're trying to do here. Well, wow, what happened? What did I miss? Um, your choice of The Rock has, and I'm not saying it won't be good, okay? Did you already watch it? No, I'm going to watch it today. Okay. But it's got, but it's got a potential time problem. Uh oh. The running time is two sixteen. Oh. I would like to put I in. I didn't realize that. I would like to put in a rule. Start. Why is The Rock two sixteen? I looked it up. I'd like to put in a rule starting with um Declan's pick for a week from Friday. It's actually, a that it that point that it has to be under two hours
3: because running mine time. actually mine was going to be a movie that is no nowhere near under two hours. You so. like gone with the wind in action? Movie you, now no, no, don't, like, don't be what, doing that. No, it was it was a it was a Tarantino film. That is an action movie, but it, it's uh, see. It, it's long. It's a very long film. But it counts as action, but it, it's, it's one of my all-time favorites, and I don't know if you see, guys have seen I it. I don't want a long film. That That's my it's point. It's more recent Tarantino film, but yes, that's fine. Commando. I got it. I think
2: Commando showed the guiding light of what we're trying to get time-wise here.
1: I agree with that. I did not realize if you would have told me, all right, gun to the head, is The Rock an hour and 30 or two hours and 20? I would have said with full confidence. Put six bullets in the chamber. It's an hour and a half. I looked. It I the- had no idea it was 2.16. Yeah, and Point Break was 2.02. I think that we should be under two. So, that's fair. amendment to Judd's rule. We aim for under two, and if you have a movie that's over two hours, you have to bring it to the group, and we all have to agree or disagree to watch it. Okay. Because there's going to be some... Like, there are some oh, yeah. movies that are going to be two hours or more that are going to be worth reviewing at some point, but the spirit of it is...
2: Listen, if, if your movie if rewind. your movie is
1: two hours and twenty minutes, there's extra fluff in there that <laughs> right like, get over well, yourself. And if Commando <laughs> okay.
2: if Commando had run to two o five, I'm sorry, it's just too long. At that point, it how, loses how you, some of the
1: Commando spirit. How would you have gotten an extra thirty five minutes out of Commando? Like, what other story arc would have to take yeah. place in that movie? He'd almost have to let, well there could have been there could have been more on the relationship front. There could have been. There could have been a love scene for there 10 could have minutes. Been more they could Jenny? have gone on a date. I have to get Jenny. They this is my bad um. They could have shown Jenny like tunneling out of you guys see the tweet.
2: There there was we, we got a tweet after we did Commando last Friday from somebody and it was hilarious. It said, "Did you notice that Schwarzenegger in Commando and Hanks in Gump, it's the same thing all about Jenny?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's if it's if I love uh, Jenny. it's if they would have evolved in different ways I guess. All right. Point taken. Okay. Point taken. So okay. I would like to I would like to aim starting with next Friday under 2. That's fair. That's a fair point. So the pressure's on Declan. So action movie rewind on Fridays. <laughs> Do not be on coming to us with John. Tarantino action Great. movies please. Tarantino I feel like, is, like not those dis- movies are all too good to be right. action movie okay. rewind. And there was a
3: stipulate. I was going to ask if it was okay. Like, it wasn't set in stone. It's just one of my favorites. Since
1: it's your first time throwing out a movie in this segment, give us, like, two or three options, and then we can choose one together and just make sure that we're not going too bonkers here. So write that down, predictions. (laughs) And now we pause for an intermission in this action movie. (laughs) Uh, Before we get to our accountability session and our write-that-down predictions for the week, a thank you to Federated Mutual Insurance Company for helping power the Mackie & Judd podcast. And Federated wants to, in turn, thank all the business owners out there. It's been just such a tough 60-plus day stretch here. And Federated just wants to acknowledge that local businesses are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. And when you need Federated, they are here to help you with trusted resources. Just think about, over the past two months or so, how many different times communications to your employees might have changed, or maybe even your policies and procedures as a business owner. Federated helps their clients throughout the country to the information they need on these things, written pandemic policies, response plans, HR-related topics, things that uh, maybe weren't even top of mind until 60 days ago but are very much top of mind right now. You can find out more at federatedinsurance.com where you can also call your local marketing representative. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Declan, you got a word for a Dennis Kirk for us? Here I well? do.
3: A quick thank you to DennisKirk.com for supporting Score North and Mackie and & Judd. The weather's heating up. It's going to be 70 on Friday, 80s next week, which means it's going to be re- getting, re- getting you ready for your motorcycle riding season. DennisKirk.com is a Minnesota-based worldwide retailer of parts, accessories, and apparel for avid bikers of all kinds, whether real, you ride. Real
1: quick, do you think... Dennis Kirk would approve a Judd Zolgad athlete challenge on a motorcycle. Oh, my God. I would pay good money for
2: that. I appreciate our friends at Dennis Kirk beyond belief. I love them. I'll absolutely help any way I possibly can. You guys are not going to get me on a motorcycle. I'll (laughs) die first. Or a scooter.
3: I'd love to see Judd on a scooter. That'd be funny, too. Uh, Through May 28th, Dennis Kirk is offering 0% interest for up to 12 months, over 160,000 products in stock and ready to ship today. DennisKirk.com not only offers a huge in-stock selection, but also... Guaranteed best prices, fast same-day shipping, and a satisfaction guarantee. They truly are the best in the business. Order by 8 p.m. Get it tomorrow. $89 orders ship free. DennisKirk.com. Order today. Get it tomorrow. Most sports talking heads make predictions. Then hope you forget about how wrong they were. But not Mackie and Judd with Rami.
1: This is the Big Leagues where we own our terrible predictions. Write this down. And keep track of each other's batting averages. Write it down. You like writing things down. It's Write That Down with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. And Rami, we have decided we're going to leave his name on the intro as long as he holds the batting average lead. And uh, we'll find out if that changes this week when we go through... Our accountability session. That's what we do every week here. Write this down. We are the only show, as far as we know, in the country that keeps track of all of our predictions and our batting averages and home runs and truly holds each other accountable here. We've got guest listener predictors every week. We're going to get to Chad here in a moment. If you want to be a guest listener predictor, and we are booked for the next couple of months, but send me a DM on Twitter. Just at Phil Mackey. My DMs are open and we'll get you on the schedule to be part of this segment. Here's how it works, gentlemen. Three predictions from everybody each week. They must be quantifiable. Ideally, they have end dates so they don't just sit on the board forever. Yeah. We keep track of batting averages and home runs, and listeners, as I said, can participate by sending me a DM on Twitter, at Phil Mackey. Are you guys ready for this? Declan, you took your first swings last yeah. week. Yeah. Get yeah. used to it, Declan. That's well. sort of how
2: things go. Don't worry yeah.
1: about it. It's, well, you're not the only one. Uh, let's uh, start with Declan. Hey. Okay. Let's start with Declan, pretty, all right? Pretty bad. Declan, you said the Vikings would be scheduled to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one. Swing and a miss. Three months off uh, on that one. Thanks, Phil. took a shot at you. Yeah, sure. I didn't see that. Yeah, I, I did. That was a low blow. You also said the Vikings will have at least three primetime games scheduled, and one game will be flexed in by the time week 17 rolls around. <laughs> Declan fell victim to semantics here. Yeah. I did. Because the Vikings technically do have only two primetime games scheduled. The Christmas game, if it was an ordinary Thursday night game, which is the spirit of that game, the Vikings don't play a Thursday night game. They play a Friday afternoon game yep. on Christmas. We, we call that a premium game in the National Football League, so, not a primetime so game. Three
3: premium games would have been the correct word.
1: Yes, There's verbiage there. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Yep. Yep. And right. just for clarification, we did look up the definition of the primetime TV bracket, and it starts at 7 p.m. Central mm-hmm. Time. And therefore, this game starts four hours before the primetime.
2: I saw at least one, if not two, people on Twitter actually taking Declan's side, defending him, and saying that we were wrong not to give him the point, but
1: we just can't do it. Listen, if we give you the point on this one, then Carl Anthony Towns is we, the man. We we open up a whole <laughs> Pandora's right. box. Right. No, I want it. Okay. I didn't hit a lot of baseballs in real
3: life, so that's that's fine.
1: You're handling this a lot better than either Rami or Jonathan would have. I just want I want oh, them wow. and you to know that. Appreciate those the guys. Yeah. Those guys would have walked out of the studio by now. Yeah, so I'm not surprised. All right, Judd Zolgad, yep. you said the Vikings will open the season against the Carolina Panthers. It was a great idea. It would have been fun. Teddy versus his old team. Yeah, but no. Jonathan had nothing come off the board. Manny had nothing come off the board. The listeners had nothing come off the board. Our current batting average champion, who's trying to hold on to this lead for the rest of the season, I told Rami, and he and he and we've been texting back and forth all week, he would be open to coming on and delivering predictions, and we would love to have him. Yeah. But I think he's going to sit and see where his batting average is at. Oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. So, you know, now I got an issue.
2: I love Rami, but either you know what or get off the pot.
1: I think he's getting off the pot. <laughs> I think that's the thing. So he's not well, I mean, coming the so he's not going to come back the and do it. The company moved him off the pot 2 years <laughs> ago. But what I'm saying,
2: and- <laughs> but what I'm saying is if he for some reason falls behind one of us in the batting average race, he can't then come back on and make predictions to try and get his
1: average up. He's either in or he's out. I would be okay. Well, he's not going to come on every week. But like, if he wanted to come on four or five times from now until the end of the year, okay. I said we give him. We'll give you. We'll give you three three or four I feel different like, bats. I feel like he should get the chance to come on if it starts
2: to get tight and he is not clearly. So he's still in the lead, but he's it's not clear if he's going to win it. I think he ha- should have the opportunity to come on then. But if he falls behind and then starts to come on once in a while, then I'm out okay. on this.
1: So we'll we'll reevaluate his place in the batting. It's my competitive season. nature. I'm, I'm Jordan like. Well, this is absolute crap. Then Start you'll crying. then you'll enjoy this
2: because. <laughs> you don't want to do write that down. Then don't do write that
1: down. So Rami predicted by next Friday. So this is like two weeks ago. Yep. By by uh-huh. by Friday. What was the date? This last Friday, Friday May 9th or eighth or whatever it was. MLB will announce their plans for the 2020 season. The owners' framework came out Sunday night, Monday morning. <laughs> And even then, I don't know if this would count because, like, the owners have a plan. I would give it to him. I would give it to him if it had come out by Friday. But it didn't, right? It came out. It, right. it leaked out on, like, Sunday night or Monday morning.
2: Well, and, yeah, yeah. But if he had, if they had come out with this by last Friday and the players still hadn't approved it, I would say he gets the point because it's the plan. Right. But because it didn't come out until Monday, unfortunately,
1: he doesn't. Those are the breaks. Go ahead and buzz them again. All right. I predicted that Rodney Smith and Tyler Johnson would both be NFL draft picks. Almost. Rodney got, Smith was you an undrafted. You could have got the bunt single on Tyler Johnson. I know. I shouldn't have grouped them together. I thought, well, I made this prediction before. Like Rodney Smith got hurt at one point a couple of years ago. Uh, but Rodney Smith was an undrafted free right. agent signing by Carolina. Okay. And I need a ruling on this next one. Mm-hmm. And I, my guess is this just we have to wait on this one. I predicted at some point during their schedule, the Vikings will play three consecutive Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Yep. Late in the season, they are scheduled to go up against, I did not say starting quarterbacks. All oh, right. Okay. Late in the season, they are scheduled to go up against Tom Brady, Nick Foles, and Drew Brees. Okay. In three consecutive weeks. Okay. So my prediction was: at some point during their schedule, the Vikings will play three consecutive Super Bowl winning quarterbacks.
3: I would say if Full starts that game, it's on the board until the until the games happen.
1: So the so the, the opposing because quarterback he, has to actually play in right. the game. Yeah,
3: because even okay. let's say even Brady or Breeze gets hurt, well then like we can't give you the point now. Read okay. it.
1: Read it again. Read it again. I need interpretation. At some point during their schedule, yeah, the Vikings will play three consecutive Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. I think even I have to say, they have to actually play the quarterback for this to come off the board. Yes. If I would have phrased it, they will be scheduled to play yeah, against so three. And, yep, and or Pandora's box. If we did this to Declan five minutes and ago, the Bears, and the Bears and
2: the Bears game, we think that Foles is going to win that job, and if he doesn't, the Bears all should probably be fired. But, you know, Trubisky still could get back in there. So, yeah, I think we just, we'll just have to wait. We'll, just we'll have be on to wait. No, let's be patient.
1: Okay. It's likely that Nick Foles will be the quarterback by that point. And that is yeah, incorrect. my competitive spirit won't allow you to give the point. It's okay. So the current batting averages and home runs are Rami Makloff, still at, at the top of this list with a four oh five average, one home run. Yep. Judd Zolgad at three seventy eight with one home run. Mm, feeling good. Jonathan Harrison, last year's batting champion, at two fifty with two home runs. Myself, Phil Mackey, at two twenty-two with just one home run. Listeners are batting only one thirty-six with a home run, and Manny Hill at one twenty-five with a home run. Declan Goff, over with no home runs, two for on with the season. Had, he just no started. Hit, no one. hits on the That's season. Why is point. he taking this out on you? Yeah, I'm not shocked. <laughs> so all, all right, right away. Right, you guys ready to make some predictions? Write this down. Let's do it, listener Chad. Welcome to the show. You are the guest listener predictor today. Are you ready? I am ready, sir. What's up, Chad? Are you swinging for the fences? Are you are you swinging bunting? What is your strategy today?
0: Uh, doing a little bit of both. I plan on starting out of the box with a single and then hopefully hitting a home run at the end of the day. Okay.
1: I like it. I like the confidence there from Chad. Chad, we'll let you lead off here. We'll go Chad, Judd, Declan, and myself, Phil. Write this we'll down. We'll go around the room three times, and let's do it.
0: All right. Prediction number one, Max Meyer, Minnesota Gophers starting pitcher will be a top 10 draft pick
1: yeah his stock is I think definitely right exactly right and he had i want to say he had three or four starts at the very beginning of the year before the college baseball season was canceled and just looked ridiculous yep. so mm-hmm. right. write it down you like writing things down max
2: meyer all right over to judd espn espn will name lewis riddick to be its analyst for monday night football yes. this season the, i mean and he's good but thus giving us all a collective yawn. Lewis Riddick will be named the analyst for Monday Night Football for this he's season. He's
1: good on NFL Live. No, I know. he's just part of like a panel. And he's I think good... he might
2: be okay, but it's just going to be a yawn.
1: It's a TV. I'm, I'm not fighting with you. I, it's a TV show. I feel like, like Lewis Riddick for three hours as part of a primetime TV show. Like, what? he's not Mr. Dynamic. He's more of like, he's like a football scouting cyborg. He gives. <laughs> he's an information guy. I don't know. Write this down. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. I'll remember that, Dan. Declan.
3: All right, between now and week one, the Vikings will sign a cornerback with at least four years of experience. Going for a single here. Very, very easy single. Seeing eye single.
1: And really, like, any of the cornerbacks that would be available probably have been in the league for four years. So basically, it's they'll sign a cornerback. Yeah,
3: but I don't want to get cheated out of some random guy who played one and a half years. You know what? Dex, you can never be careful enough. I like what you did there. Thank you. you. Write it down. You like writing things down? Yep, appreciate it.
1: Write this down. All right, write this down. Jose Barrios, I, I do believe that not having to pitch in months five and six this season will help Jose Barrios avoid the annual wear and tear. So Jose Barrios will wind up with career low marks in ERA, so career best, I should specify, in ERA and strikeout rate, so strikeouts per mm. nine innings. He will have so stri- career marks in those two categories. Strikeouts per nine, at strikeout percentage. Strike, we'll go strikeouts per nine, just okay. to be specific. Strikeouts per nine. They're going to be... He's taking notes here. Pretty, pretty close. Sure. Yep, strikeouts per nine and earned run what, average.
2: What makes you so confident there's going to be a
1: season? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not.
2: It's his scary. ERA will be 0 because zero, zero, his game started will be
1: 0 because his games played will be 0. And I do have a prediction around that. Right. Write this oh, down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Right, back to listener Chad.
0: All right. The next full season that is played in the NHL, Kirill Kaprizov will lead the Wild in scoring.
1: All right. See, I like what he did there. I've got that next one, too. That's season. good. That's good. Uh, I like
2: how he, uh, he basically uh, insulated himself.
1: Write this down. Good work, Chad.
2: That. Back to Jed. University of Minnesota will have, will have to cut at least two sports because of lost revenue from this pandemic. The University of Minnesota will have to cut at least two sports because of a loss of revenue from
1: the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, hasn't Coyle has basically said, I mean, yeah, we're probably going to have to.
2: No, let's see, I'm just reading the do. tea leaves, okay? Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down.
1: Back
3: to Declan. All right. If a baseball season does return with a new revenue split, so caveat there, Trevor Bauer will protest the season and not play. So if there is a new revenue split for baseball, <laughs> Trevor Bauer will sit out the season in protest. Has he already been bitching about this? No, but I can just see him bitching because sure. he's
1: Trevor Bauer. Yeah. So.
3: All right. Well, I'm to piggyback
1: off Declan's. Write it
0: down. You like writing things down. So
1: the play- Here's my write that down, the piggybacks of this. The, the players will begrudgingly agree to another revenue or another income cut. So the owners have proposed this 50-50 revenue Ooh. split. Ooh. The players Ooh. will bend and the players will take what the owners are offering them with this revenue split or just to be more specific i guess just so i don't get boxed out here the players have already agreed to take a prorated salary for this year yes they will agree to further pay reduction is what is what my prediction so is. are you are you saying that they're going to take the 50 50 revenue split we're talking about or are you well, just saying this is th- where i don't want to get boxed like I'm saying they're probably going to take the 50-50 split, but what if they negotiate a 49-51? I don't want to miss the, okay. the prediction. So right. The one that
3: they agreed to in March, that one's, that's that been set in stone. They're going to agree to another one yeah, before which, the season starts.
1: And the 50 is another one. Right. Like that's, the owners are proposing Correct. another one. Okay, so It's all a very complicated way of saying the players are going to bend. and Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, Chad, your final prediction.
0: My final prediction, and this is my home run swing, is that Justin Jefferson will lead the Vikings in receptions next year. Ooh. Oh,
1: not Adam Thielen. Not Dalvin like Cook. It. Interesting. Nope. Okay, nope. off the record, this will not count for your prediction. Do you have a range of receptions you're looking at here?
0: Uh, probably 75 to 80. I think Thielen's going to get hurt.
1: Wow. NFC
2: Offensive Rookie of the Year. Is that what we're talking about? That could be the
0: case. Write it down. You like writing things down.
1: Nice work. <laughs> nice, uh, Chad, nice job on your predictions here. Any final words for the massive Mackie and Judd audience here? <laughs> now that you have this platform, anyone you'd like to thank in your life that got you to this point?
0: Uh, I just want to say that the events of the last couple of weeks for you guys have been unfortunate. I feel like I lost a part of my family with the loss of all the guys that got uh, go and I hope today we'll land on their feet
1: soon we do too we miss all those guys Very and nice uh, Chad we appreciate you sticking with us man thank you so much thanks Chad
0: hey, you're welcome thanks for having me all
1: right that's listener Chad guest predictor oh god a little smoky yep. in here I'm okay yeah. might need a okay. little pause here okay write it down What's, you like writing <laughs> we can take half hour off if we want <laughs> all right your final prediction
2: Judd um all right so I just gave you uh two predictions that are going to have to come uh either to fruition or be false fairly soon This one's going to be a little bit down the road, but I think it's worth it. At least one NHL team will move within the next two years. Oh, wow. The economic instability here, the Florida Panthers, the Arizona Coyotes. Minnesota Wild. Somebody somebody is not going to be able to sustain a franchise, uh, especially with all that's gone on because of coronavirus in their city. So at least one team in the National Hockey League will move within the next two years.
0: Write this down. Write that down.
3: I don't have a pencil. i will remember that, Dan. Declan? All right, this one's really fun. I like this one a lot. At some point during the 2020 regular season or in the playoffs, Judd will either, on this show, Purple Daily, his written content, or any social media platform, will declare that Kirk Cousins can lead the Vikings to a Super Bowl.
2: Ooh. Oh, I'm not that crazy.
1: Ooh, this is also one you could probably bait him into. Yes. It's it's tougher now that he knows the prediction. I almost was going to ask him to leave the yeah. room. But, well, actually, but I, it's fine. I, I have a Judd prediction for my third and I would prefer he leaves the room so that I have okay. an advantage here. Okay. okay. Hold on, I'm going to get more coffee then. All
3: right. Yeah, I don't th- I don't see myself doing that on Cousins. So when the Vikings are 12 and 0 and they kick Tom Brady's ass, you're not going to
2: Oh, I will I could I could declare that they can win one w- without ever saying that I have faith in Kirk.
1: Okay. <laughs> he, Judd's going to have this in his mind for every Kirk Cousins yeah, conversation, yep. which we are going to have one today on. on Purple Daily. Cheap all right, plug. Hold on. All right. <laughs> Make sure he's gone.
0: Write this down. Right. Write it down. You Make like sure writing things down.
1: Today. I don't trust this all, yet. Alright, door's closed. All right. Write this down. Okay. It's Judd's turn next week, I believe, to choose an action movie for us. It's your turn this week, and then yep. Judd next week will choose another action movie for Action Movie Rewind on Fridays. Write this down. He will choose... Either a Rambo movie or Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. So Judd, for his next choice in action movie rewind, will choose either a Rambo movie or Roadhouse I like with it. Patrick Swayze. Okay. Right? There it is. Write that down here on Mackie and Judd. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Rami Makloff still leading the batting average race, even though he's not an official part of the show anymore. He's he's with us in spirit, batting 405. Judd Zolget 378. John Harrison, 250. Mackie, 222. Listeners, 136. Manny, 125. Declan, over a wrap with Racy in just a second after we thank Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard. And, you know, they, uh, they just want you to know that they're taking every precaution possible to make sure that you, the customer, and their team members are both safe and they're still open. They're open for business and if you're interested in getting into one of these brand new 2020 Camrys, RAV4s, Tacomas, they've got first of all great deals on those vehicles, 0% financing and also 90 days deferred payment on both new and used vehicles on the lot, but you can actually schedule a test drive where they will bring the vehicle to you. You don't have to don't even worry about going into a showroom being around people if you've been in isolation for a couple months, but you're still interested and getting into a new car, they will bring you a car to test drive. They also have a no-contact system set up at their facility if you need service on your vehicle. So thanks to our friends at Luther Brookdale Toyota for staying open, and they thank you for, uh, for helping them through this the last 60 days as well. 694 Brooklyn Boulevard and Luther Brookdale LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. All right. Roycey, uh, we started the show today, and I told these guys I called my 77 year old baseball loving dad last night because one of his favorite all time pitching matchups and games was on MLB Network. The, uh, the glorious two camera setup of the 1956 World Series Game 5 wow. Don Larson's perfect game yes. against Sal the Barber Magley, barber Magley. 38 yes. years old in that one.
4: Called the Barber because he would throw at your chin. <laughs> that was uh, that was where that nickname came from. He was a grumpy guy, I believe. He pitched for both of them, didn't he? The Giants and the Dodgers. I think. Yes. He was one of those few guys. He pitched for the Giants too. Both teams. You know, when Jackie Robinson got traded to the Giants, he quit. <laughs> he quit. He wouldn't play for him. So. That's uh, that's how big the rivalry was back then. But, yeah, Sal Bagley pitched for both of them. Well, I've told the story before. I was at uh, St. Gabriel's Grade School, and, heck, the game probably was starting at, I don't know what time, but I got on my bike, and I rode back around the lake, and uh, and Don Larson was already at about the fourth inning at lunchtime with a perfect game. And by the time I got through having a sandwich or something, I was like the fifth inning. And I hung it out and watched the whole game. <laughs> Pedal, you know, which didn't take long. It was probably another 50 minutes, you know, because we were. There were not a lot of base runners. What oh, was it, 2 nothing? was it? Was it a 2 nothing game?
1: I believe so, so yeah.
4: Yeah, so I pedaled back, and none said, where you been? And I said, Don Larson pitched the perfect game, but I had to watch. And uh, baseball was so... All-consuming. Then she knew what I was talking about. Said, "Okay, sit down." <laughs> and, uh, you know. So I mean, she, you know, the World Series was. Ah, uh, they did. I don't think they had an intercom system yet then. Though might have been the
1: that was a new school.
4: They just moved into the new school out of the fire trap we have been in before. But uh, I don't <laughs> think they had an intercom system. But yeah, that was uh, that was quite the event. What was the uh, Red Smith lead? The Imperfect man, because Don had a drinking uh, problem. You know, was a well-known uh, uh, drinking man, and uh, I think the imperfect man had the perfect moment, or something like that. Yeah, he's married, by the way. I find I only found this out a couple of years ago. He was married to a a gal from Glenwood, or Morris, or some uh, a place like that uh one of our towns out here in uh, western Minnesota.
1: so he's kind and, of one of us
4: yeah he is, and the wedding was at, like uh, the wedding was here in in Minnesota, and uh when he died last year i believe they they remained married uh, married i guess he uh i guess he found the uh ways the sober ways and uh, became a a a very good guy so uh he had they gotten him i believe. In a trade with the Baltimore Orioles. They got yes. both him and Bob Turley, two hard oh. thrown. In fact, right how in.
1: about this for buying low on somebody? So Don Larson, it was it was his second year in the big leagues, was his year with the Baltimore Orioles. He went three and twenty-one that season <laughs> with Baltimore. Yes, the Yankees that. bought low on him and then he yes. became you know one of the better pitchers in baseball for the next five years.
4: And the reason is got—I think they got him as the as the throw-in for a Bullet Bob Turley, who was the hardest thrower of that era. They got him in that trade too, I believe. Now, meanwhile, I think they got Bob Larson, Don Larson, and Bob Turley in the same trade in 1955. But where are my keys? That's the question.
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're on the floor in the kitchen yeah.
0: below the. <laughs>
4: I was looking for I I had to get masked up max max masked, masked up to go to Costco of uh, last week And you had to go get the paper you know, the toilet paper and
0: oh
4: yeah. paper towels and all that stuff. So so to get I I popped my glasses up on top of my forehead and then once I checked out I looked at my glass case and there weren't any glasses in there, and I spent like five minutes looking around for my glasses, <laughs> and they were on my, you know, sitting on top of my forehead.
2: I've done that before.
4: <laughs> yes, yes. Don't
2: feel bad.
4: Wait. In so, the era of ma- mask glasses don't fit well with masks. Although, Mrs. Uh, Ricey got a. We we had these kind of pointy ones, that uh, you know, very kind of uncomfortable. She
1: she got a whole
4: bunch of them from. From uh, Amazon yesterday. I don't, I don't know why. I think these are the high up ones in the back. So, if you need a mask, come on over. We got one. So one wait, time. wait, wait.
2: So did you you wore a mask? Did you tweet out a picture of no, you in a mask? I
4: don't, don't want to know. I'd rather, I'd rather you know, have an old picture of me laying in the street drunk <laughs> back in the old days. Uh, sent out the one with me in a mask.
2: So it's preferable to have Chip take a picture of you in Florida with no shirt on. But no, well, so we can't get a mask picture of Patrick Roycey.
4: No, you can't. Darn it. Uh, that one, well, that Chip picture was me telling him to take I
2: know. That's I what, said, what I'm saying.
4: I said, let's have a little fun here with the folks on Twitter. They'll go nuts. So they did. They go, they did. So anyway, Pat, Pat, do you? I don't know. I'm worried about this baseball thing. Oh, right? Go
1: ahead. No, that's that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Do you think? The, do you think the players are going to wind up just bending again?
4: I, I think they'll bend a little bit, but I I think I just don't know if, if, if you know if the complications are too great. You know, you know you can't get into you can't. Because of this Newsom guy out in California, he can't play a game there until the end of July and there is it. Sometime in July and, uh, End of July. Through July. I, I I don't know. I I just don't know if it's gonna I don't know. I'm i writing a column now on catchers, you know. And uh you know, for tomorrow I'm you know, going to do that catchers. And I talked to a uh, I talked to quite a few guys and uh it's uh you know, they're not the catchers aren't worried about it, but the PR of it, you know, it, it, everybody's so crazy about social distancing, you know, and I guess if a guy's at first base and they throw over there a couple of times, you're going to be standing next to each other. But the but the whole thing about the catcher handling the baseball every play and having guys scratching their, you know, spitting. and uh, They're going to tell him not to spit, but I talked to Redman yesterday. He says, these guys have been spitting for 50 years. They're not going to stop spitting. It's a habit, you know. So He's not wrong about it. Of course, Redmond would go back there and play tomorrow if they'd let him.
2: The problem, though, Pat, is is that this look right now between the players and owners is so bad of the whole thing of fighting yeah, I mean, over the
4: revenue. We don't know how bad it is. I mean, it, 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 it's all based on assumptions. And, but I don't think anybody's. When's the last time anybody made a public comment? Right, Tony Clark's uh, like. Boris two days Clark, ago, a month of, you know, uh, no, two.
2: Two days ago, Clark Clark basically said that they proposed salary caps before. They're doing it again, and they'll continue to do it. The thing about oh, this well, is, he's right about that. Right, you know. right, but it still is a terrible look to, to have what is going to become infighting about millions of dollars right now it's fine to talk about health concerns i think people are fine and you know don't get upset by that but if these guys are really going to wage war about what's essentially going to become the cba negotiations after 2021 this is going to be a
4: problem yeah they uh well i don't think you know i i I agree with the players i think you have to settle on a number you know and it's you know it's it's, uh it's if it's uh, how much it's how much of each individual salary you're going to get, it's not going to be it's not going to be how much of the revenues you get. You got to. I agree with the players because it would be a preemptive strike to come up with a salary cap. I I agree with the players that okay, because we're not going to have fans in the stands. Instead of taking fifty percent, if we play eighty-two games, we'll take forty percent. But I I but not Forty percent of revenue is forty percent of what we are due to be paid. You know what I'm saying? So, in other words, uh, well, Mike Trump gets forty percent of his whatever the hell is thirty-five
1: million or whatever. Yeah,
4: million. yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, there's a difference between getting so much of your salary based on how many and 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 just having a hard salary cap and saying this is based on revenue. But Manfred's in heaven here. I mean, Manfred can do all this stuff. You know, he can have his 14 games in the playoffs and, and he can use this as an advance. Uh, but, uh, you know, Judge, yeah, I know you've been predicting a work stoppage and I, I would think if they uh, if they beat the players, if they end up turning this into a bloody battle with the players, that guarantees that there's going to, you know, be... A, be if if indeed we're playing baseball in 2021, it pretty much guarantees it could be a strike afterwards. And the, the combination of arguing about money now and then having a strike while the economy's still recovering from uh, from the pandemic—if indeed we are recovering by then—that uh, ain't gonna look too
1: good. Yep. So, all right, Pat, we'll uh, we'll we'll save a couple questions for tomorrow and Friday. That's the new schedule for wrapping with Royce here on Mackie and Judd Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You can hear Pat looking for his glasses mostly while he talks to us.
4: <laughs> yeah, I make sure Bob Turley came in that trade he
1: did I believe he did, he did. yeah Bob Bob oh, Turley steel trap Roycey, it's a steel trap, yeah, just real quick let me let me pull up this page again. so Bob Turley comes over in nineteen fifty five uh the trade was let's see here, traded uh, by the Orioles with players to be named later, Billy Hunter Don Larson. For Harry Bird, Jim McDonald, Willie Miranda, Hal Smith, <laughs> Gus Triandos, and Gene Woodling. Oh, Gene Woodling, yeah. yeah.
4: Gene Woodling was over the hill by then, I believe. <laughs> he was the only player in the group. But uh, that's an unbelievable play, trade. And by the way, Willie Miranda was one of those guys that I used to get every time I opened a pack of baseball cards. <laughs> and, I, and I hardly knew profanity then, but I would utter it every time I saw Willie, <laughs> Willie Miranda. Whatever swear words I knew, I used when I saw Willie Miranda cards
1: up there. That's hilarious. <laughs> <See you later. laughs> All right, see you, Pat. That's uh, wrapping with Royce here. I'm Maggie and Judd. You can help us by simply listening to Maggie and Judd as often as you can, but also by giving us a five-star rating on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts if you're able to give a rating on that platform. And check out our daily Vikings conversations, too, as part of Purple Daily on Apple, Spotify, and ScoreNorth.com and also ScoreNorth YouTube, YouTube.com slash ScoreNorth. By the way, on um, who's the pitcher again? Bob Turley, mm-hmm. Bullet Bob Turley, mm-hmm. back in the 50s and the 60s. That's a nickname. That dude led the league in walks in the two years he was an all-star as well in 54, 55. I'm guessing he won a Cy Young in 1958, also leading the league in walks. I'm guessing he was just one of those dudes back in the day that just threw gas, and you either walked, struck out, or something, something else. But people me. loved him
2: because they called him Bullet Bob. Bullet Bob. And they threw hard, and they name. said, and they said he must throw a hundred miles
1: an but, hour. And someday we'll have the technology to tell, but right now we don't. Back in the 50s, I feel like every pitcher either had a nickname like Bullet Bob, or they were named Lefty, like just
2: <laughs> because lefty. they threw
1: left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I I came across, and
2: I had forgotten this one the most unlikely award winner in sports of all time I think 1982 I believe National Football League Mark Mosley the kicker for the Washington Redskins was the MVP what Google it right now a kicker a yeah, kicker I was
3: I w- watching this too, dude what I'm I
2: shocked. I came across I think I saw it on Twitter a couple days ago because it was on something and Look, I was alive. I was 12. I followed sports, and I guess I just thought, oh, he's got a big
3: leg. But think about that. I forget the names they listed that he beat out for MVP. I don't think it was Walter Payton. I don't think he was around. It was
2: something about. But, yeah, he. he, What year was it? 1982. And it was something about the fact that. um, What? How few quarterbacks. How few non-quarterbacks, I should say, Mark Mosley, have won th- this award, and Mark Mosley, the kicker for Washington, won the award. So he
1: went. He made twenty of twenty-one field goals. He missed
2: like three PATs.
1: Guy <laughs> He, he, he missed, was straight on. He missed three PATs and never even attempted a fifty-yarder. And that dude won the MVP. And he was the MVP. What the Valley? hell is wrong with the media back in the eighties? Well, now too, well. I guess, but. <laughs> That
2: was a fake MVP. Fake is that news. what you're telling? Fake, fake MVP. Mark Mosley, though, man. <laughs>
1: NFL MVP, eighty two. Think about that. Wow, that is egregious. I can't even wrap my head around that. I like, know. was it just was it a prank vote or something? <laughs> no. Are you serious?
2: I think we were just stupid back serious, then, Clark. As okay, opposed to so, now, when we're really intelligent. So
1: quarterbacks are always the most valuable players. Period. Like, unless there's some ridiculous. Outlandish circumstance where Adrian Peterson runs for two thousand yards, sure. and then like okay, and and then there's a conversation ordinarily, that ordinarily accurately reflected in 1992, or I'm sorry, 1982. Just for fun, you had like Dan Fouts in his prime, Joe Montana in his prime. These guys are putting up for the 80s, you know, three thousand yards, big seasons. I'm sure you had big running back seasons too. Since we're on this, yeah, ni- Tony Dorsett. Look at these guys. This is a strike shortened season too, 1982. Yes. right. Yes, it was. So these guys are putting up crazy yards. Really weird year. Tony Dorsett is going off, had the 99-yard run in 1982, and it's a kicker that wins the MVP. How about that, though? Ridiculous. A kicker. Amazing. All right, thanks for listening.